0: talk a little bit about uh, expectations and what this teaching is in the context of expectation. Often people start searching for answers to life when things aren't going well. In fact, that's usually the case. If you find yourself in a satsang hall something isn't going right in your life and you're looking for answers. And one of the fallacies of Ramana's teaching is the idea of effortlessness and instant enlightenment or the idea that this teaching is somehow going to miraculously fix your life, change your life, But that is not the purpose of Satsang and it's not the purpose of this teaching. It's not about fixing or changing your life or making a newer, better you. It's not a transformational workshop about how to get rich quick or improve yourself or make a better life for yourself, make more money, find a better relationship, all of the things that are out there oriented towards personal growth, personal development. And there's nothing wrong with personal development. That's just not what Ramana Maharshi represents. It's not what this teaching represents, Shiva, Kashapa, which is direct path, Advaita, right? So what does that mean, direct path, Advaita? It means non-dual. So Advaita Vedanta is non-dual. There is no other. There are not multiple perspectives. There is one perspective, the Satguru, the Self, pure awareness, consciousness, freedom, enlightenment sunyata and beyond. These are all terms used to attempt to describe something that can never be described in words. The essence of this teaching is really transmitted through silence. Deep silence and the purpose of the practices is to burn through the egoic identification to purify your mind and focus your mind, to refine your consciousness, to refine your mind so that you become more aware of where you trick yourself, where you get trapped, so that you become more aware of what is aware, which is the most sublime clarity and pure joy. Someone recently said, oh, it's not joy, and I said, no, it it is joy. It is profound, lasting joy and fulfillment. This is the nature of Nirvana, right? And what's interesting about the word nirvana is that word means snuffed out, blown out. And in today's vernacular, that could be mean all kinds of things, blown out or blown away. He was blown away on drugs, right? But that's not the blown out I'm talking about. Nirvana is blown out or snuffed out like a candle is blown out. So how does nirvana, which is pure happiness, perpetual happiness, relate to a candle being blown out? What does that mean? And it's really very simple. The egoic identification must be fully annihilated for true enlightenment. The sense that you are a person seeking enlightenment must be annihilated for true enlightenment to occur. But who you think you are as an individual will never be enlightened. There is no enlightened person. This is one of the great myths of enlightenment. And there's this notion that you don't have to do anything to become enlightened. And I don't know really how this got started, but it's a prevalent idea in Western non-dual teaching circles and sangha that this effortlessness means you don't have to work at it and this is the great fallacy and a trick actually of the mind. Really the effortless aspect of self-realization, enlightenment, awakening, is that who you are is already awake, is already liberated. But these are just words to live from that awakened, aware presence, to live from the depth of yourself requires a refined mind, a purified mind, a focused mind, a silent mind. So, how do you develop a silent mind? Right? And the way, the practice, the realization is inquiry. That's one aspect to see who is it that's doing anything. Who is this you that you think you are? Silence is the deepest support for a quiet mind. And the mantra is a powerful laser beam that focuses your attention and stops you from thinking. It is all the thoughts swirling in around in your mind about your life, about what you want, what you don't want that perpetuates suffering but it also is the primary barrier to the direct realization of your natural happiness, your natural liberation, your natural enlightenment. So this expectation of instant enlightenment that you can apply the teaching for a few minutes and you should be there is one of the craziest ideas of mind and it's a crazy idea of mind that keeps people trapped and it also causes people to leave this teaching this idea after a few minutes of practice that you haven't made any progress and you just go off to the next thing the next workshop or the next lecture or the next something to distract yourself right television shows bowling movies. All of that is so you don't have to think about your problems and your life. It's a distraction from who you really are which is the most profound joy and happiness and freedom. So the practice of self-inquiry is a continuous practice. Who is upset? Who is angry? Who is frustrated? Who's mad? Who is it that seeks revenge? Who is fighting? Who is running? Who is crying? Right? And the mind will trick you into thinking that this questioning is to find the answer, right? To find that you are the enlightened presence of all that is, or the oneness of everything, right? The emergency of now. (laughs) This almost desperate grasping for enlightenment. But the practice of this who, this question, who am I, and who is doing anything, is not about discovering an answer. It's not even about discovering silence, or sunyata, or emptiness, or liberation, or self-realization. It's not about any of those things. The question, who am I, has a singular purpose and that is to annihilate the feeling me inside of you right this feeling I am my body the ego it is to destroy the questioner the question who am I is meant to destroy the one who asked the question It's really that simple. And with repeated use, which is what Ramana recommended, you generate a fire inside your body that burns through this deep feeling that you are separate from everyone and everything, that you are unique, that you are special, that your life is special, that you have special needs, right? or you're seeking a special purpose or a special partner or a special job, when none of that actually matters in the context of self-realization. Your circumstances change constantly. The people in your life change constantly. So the one constant in the world is change and if you focus on change your mind will become more and more confused and more and more deluded with the seduction of the world, the false promise that if you pursue the world and relationships and pleasure and money and power and sex and special spiritual powers If you pursue that, that will somehow make you happy. But this is the great lie of this world, the great lie of samsara, the supreme illusion of maya. And it's very seductive. And this is why Sangha is important to surround yourself with people who really want self-realization who really want to end lifetimes of suffering, who want to get off the karmic wheel. But as long as you continue to play the game of maya, you're stuck on the karmic wheel for lifetimes. And if you develop spiritual cities or spiritual powers, you will find yourself stuck on the karmic wheel for lifetimes. So be aware of what you're giving your life to. If you're giving your life to the world you're virtually guaranteeing that your suffering will continue for eons upon eons upon eons. And then I've heard people say, well, what about Prabhda Karma? Isn't it my karma to pursue pleasure? And the answer is no. (laughs) If you're listening to my voice something deep inside of you is longing for freedom, longing for lasting happiness and true fulfillment, or you wouldn't be listening. So yes, you could say that prarabdha Karma brought you to this moment in time, right? Prarabdha Karma brought you to this moment in time so that maybe for the first time again you can hear this message Stop. Be still. Apply the teaching of who am I. Meditate, meditate, meditate. Quiet your mind with silence. And sing the mantra. The mantra is perhaps the easiest practice, the most fun and enjoyable. You can sing it anywhere on the train, in the car, in the mountains, on a hike, when you're walking down the street, you can hum the mantra because the mantra itself, even if you're singing it silently, is focusing the mind on the source. Who am I is focusing the mind on the source. Meditation is training the mind to be still to focus again on the Source. And all of this is purifying and refining the mind. But practice is a lifetime engagement. The teaching of Ramana Maharshi must become a priority in your life if what you really want is Self-Realization. And yes, that means that you might end up giving up some things. You might not be interested in mundane conversations any longer. You might skip the movie and meditate. Or you might find the sublime joy of devotional singing but unless this teaching becomes a priority samsara the great illusion of maya will trick you and it will eat up your life years can go by right? so many people have had the great good fortune of hearing of Ramana Maharshi and his profound, simple, powerful, life-changing teaching. But Maya tricked them. People who sat with Papaji, hundreds, even thousands, sat with Papaji. And how many stayed on the razor's edge? So few. So few. So you have this opportunity to actually apply the teaching, if what you want is real self-realization, real enlightenment, real joy, lasting joy. That's what we're talking about. The suffering is in your mind. The suffering is in identification with your body. The suffering is believing that all the problems that you're facing in life are your problems. They belong to the ego and if you examine your ego closely is it even real what is ego? who is this you that you think you are? right? so Maya is tricky mind is even trickier it will even use truth to trick you your freedom itself you can do what you want right? it's effortless I can go play on the beach. I can go get drunk or high with my friends. Right? It doesn't work that way. And getting drunk or high is really empty, meaningless in the context of the natural high of your true being. There's nothing that compares to it. Nothing. And it is eternal it frees you from eternal suffering the eternal hell of birth and death and birth and death and birth and death over and over and over again but when i'm talking about expectation you have to throw out the idea of time the qualitative aspect of mind in this unrealistic expectation that you will become enlightened with no effort. It's effortless to be what you are, but it requires intense effort to discover the effortless presence that you are. Intense effort. Dedication. Resolve. Perseverance. Taking refuge in your own heart taking refuge in the teaching, which is pointing to the living truth that you are. Right? I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, because the world doesn't support this conversation. If you're looking for the world to fulfill you, you'll find yourself born again and again and again. It's really that simple. So once this becomes a priority and you throw time out the window, this expectation of when am I going to be enlightened? When am I going to get there? (laughs) Because if your motivation is self-realization, that actually keeps you from self-realization. Because the motivation, I want to be self-realized, or I want to be enlightened, postpones enlightenment to a future date. Enlightenment is always here, and always now. The only real stumbling block to your own direct realization is the mind, and the feeling nature of your body, the feeling nature of the ego. It feels real. And the mind moves so quick and the agreement between the ego and the mind moves so fast, we don't often realize that it's us. We're generating our own suffering. You generate your own drama, your own negative story, your own good experience, bad experience. Good experience and bad experience is the same coin, different sides of the same coin, good, bad, but who you are is free of good and bad, up and down, happy, sad, the paradoxical nature of life, so the teaching itself is a paradox, because you don't need effort to be the living freedom that you are. And you need to make the effort in order to purify the mind and focus on the mind, on the truth that you are. <laughs> but you don't want to get caught in the paradox. And then the question comes, well, do I even need a teacher I can do this on my own and most people cannot. I would say the majority of people need a living teacher who is true to the living truth, who will return your attention ruthlessly to the source. Because this teaching is focused on self-realization, liberation from the karmic wheel. It's ruthless honesty, ruthless inquiry, ruthless burning. It's not always fun, and it's not always comfortable. But I can promise you there is no greater joy than discovering who you really are. Free of name, free of form, free of samsara, free of maya, the joy of being that's alive in you right now. And you don't have to stay in the now to realize this. You are the living now. The ego does not exist. There is a false idea about Ramana Maharshi and Self-Realization and it creates a false expectation. A false expectation. And when you're expecting something and you don't get the result, especially in the Western thinking, we are results-oriented performance oriented right so when we don't get the results that we are anticipating we should be getting we quit or we look for something else to occupy our mind right we go to the movies we go get drunk do drugs hang out with our friends also, we don't have to think, watch television. Its kind of a way of distracting ourselves from the hopelessness of life, right? But this expectation of instant enlightenment, or effortless realization or no practice needed is very misleading and someone recently told me that because I said your problems are not your problems and if you surrender those problems to God that frees you from the problem which is really true but you actually have to surrender right completely totally surrender and most people are not willing to surrender because they have to relinquish their control right the idea that they're in charge or the idea that you are in charge So when I say the problems that you have are not your problems, I'm talking about the ego, I'm talking about karma, I'm talking about the body, and you are not your body. So naturally these problems are not your problems. And then the natural complaint is, but Koshi, if I don't focus on my problems they won't get solved. And this is also not true. If you surrender to the omniscience completely, everything is taken care of and often in ways that are far superior than the ways you would have imagined fixing or changing the situation or solving the problem. It's solved effortlessly with omniscience. But surrender has to be complete and total. And people hear that, and for some reason that gets twisted around in the mind to mean, oh, well, I can just give up what I don't want. Right? And if I give up what I don't want, I've surrendered. No, that's not what I mean. I mean total surrender, including giving your body and everything associated with your body to the omniscience, to God and then other people complain that that's dualistic and yes, it's dualistic but it's a way of letting go of the ephemeral letting go of the things that change because the things that change will never free you They will enslave you to the world. Problems live in the world, they live in maya, they have nothing to do with freedom. Nothing to do with who you really are. So this false expectation of instant enlightenment is very misleading. effortless realization is misleading in the sense that the majority of people have lots of karma. Loads and loads and loads of karma. It's caked on them. Like a thick, invisible sludge. So enlightenment requires the most intense effort, the most intense desire, commitment, resolve, perseverance, and it takes time. But your ideas of time have to be thrown out. Because if you're motivated to become self-realized, that motivation is postponing the realization that is already here. that's already alive, right? Inside of you. So the purpose of the practices is a refinement of mind. A focus of mind. You're retraining your brain. You're retraining your thought processes to focus on the source until there is no one focusing on the source. So the practice is continuous and the three core practices are very simple. Inquiry, who is it that's practicing? Who is it that's asking the question? Who am I? right who is this who who is the doer who is upset who is angry who is sad who is in love who is mean who is judgmental who is this who right this is inquiry and the purpose of inquiry is not to find an answer which is counterintuitive in the west because if someone asks us a question we're immediately looking for the answer right And if you've read a lot of spiritual books, then you're looking for emptiness, or you're looking for sunyata, right? Or you're looking for the clear awareness. And all of this looking overlooks what is looking, right? It just allows the mind to enslave you to maya, to the illusion of the world. And even the highest teachings are part of samsara, part of maya. It all comes from mind. So the practices burn through the mind and support you in ending your thought process that leads to fear, judgment, sadness, revenge, anger despair hopelessness the practices refine and focus your mind purify the mind to focus on the source and this focusing of mind literally brings you to the edge of your heart the spiritual center of the body which is actually off from the physical heart it's off to the right of your physical heart so it brings you to the edge. The outer teacher is pushing you to the edge, right? Pointing to the depth of yourself. And then the Satguru, which is the living truth and the only guru, pulls you in from the inside into the truth into this living presence that you are. But first you have to be willing to practice. And it's unrealistic to have the expectation that you'll just effortlessly be enlightened. Even the Buddha had to sit for forty days and forty nights and it took eight years for him to get to that point of sitting down and saying enough and you have to say enough to your mind which will always trick you and then make the teaching the priority in your life. The teaching must become the priority in your life if what you want is self-realization. It's foolish to think otherwise. You're gonna go bowling, you're gonna go sailing, you're gonna go hang gliding You're going to go get drunk, do drugs, you're free, right? You're already free, so you can do what you want. That's not it. That's not freedom. That leads to more suffering. So training the mind to stay in the source requires intense practice. You know, if you go to college, you don't get a college degree by not studying. If you don't study, chances are you're going to get thrown out of college. (laughs) Right? So if you want to get the degree, you have to practice. You have to actually apply the teaching. You have to learn what it is that you're there to learn. And this is also counterintuitive because this teaching is not about learning. It's not about knowledge. Knowledge and books will not free you. In fact, it will enslave you more to the mind and can build up the arrogance of the ego that lives in this idea, I know. I know what emptiness is. I know what the purpose of who am I is. I know who Ramana is. Right? Forget all that. Knowing doesn't do anything for you. It's a trap of Maya, the supreme illusion of the world, right? So this expectation of instant enlightenment with no effort must go out the window so that you can realize directly the effortlessness of being. But just to sit still for an hour can be a big challenge. You know how your mind can wander away, leading you into all kinds of ideas and stories and amazing things in your mind, daydreaming, fantasies, idealizations, horrible memories of the past. It leads you in all these different places. So just sitting still for an hour can be a huge challenge. But in the willingness to sit still and be quiet, there's a fire that generates in the body. And this fire burns through the root cause of all suffering, which is this sense of me inside of you. This me, this feeling, I am the body. This must be burned through. And you must apply the teaching Constantly, consistently, all the time. Until that magical moment, that unpredictable moment, when the guru, which is the one and only Guru, pulls you into the heart, into the lotus of the heart. Pulls you into the lotus of the heart until there is no one left to be pulled in. And no one to leave and you realize on the deepest, most profound level that you are joy you are peace you are eternal freedom but not as a concept as the living truth as a living, alive direct experience this is the purpose of this teaching Thank you so much for listening. This is Koshi, and I'll be talking to you again soon.